Hello and welcome back to Kairos. I am here today with Dr. Jerry Bodie to talk about Luther's Catechism as a tool for the Christian life. Dr. Bodie, good to have you on. Thanks, Josh. Great to be here. Um, Dr. Bodie, or Jerry, um, as he's allowed me to call him today, is a professor of theology at Concordia Lutheran Seminary in St. Louis, and he's here in Australia for a recent conference that he's been speaking at, and so I thought it'd be great to um, get Jerry on and talk about that conference and how it went and, and what the sorts of things he was talking about. Um, and so perhaps, Jerry, you can be begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're from in the United States, mm -hmm. and, and what you your area of teaching is? Well, I teach at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. I teach in the Department of Historical Theology, and I teach mostly in the area of Reformation history, uh, history of the Lutheran Church, but also the history of education, uh, especially Christian education, catechetical instruction, and so forth. Mm. Did you grow up in that area of the United States? No, I actually grew up in Minnesota, which is about... Uh, about 500 miles north of St. Louis, mm -hmm. and I grew up there. My, my father is still a pastor there, and I grew up in a parsonage and uh, went to Lutheran schools. And So when I, I moved to St. Louis when I came to the seminary there, and I've, I've been there in the St. Louis area ever since. So Minnesota, so you, you're here in our winter, which mm -hmm. is not cold at all for you, of course. I this is delightful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Um, and so the conference that you were speaking at, um, can you perhaps begin by telling us what was, the, um, what was the title of the conference and what was it all about? Well, the, the title of the conference, the Speak Lord 2019 conference, was all about Luther's catechisms. I think it was called from, from uh, dog-eared to... Uh, um, from <laughs> dusty to from dog dusty to dog here. So does that translate yes. the cultural? Yeah. Yes, it's perfectly appropriate. Yeah, yes, yeah. because uh, catechisms are are supposed to be well used. Mm, dog eared, and, right? Dog eared. They're they're used. They've been thrown on the in book bags or maybe dropped on the on the ground. But uh, I, I think I mentioned at the conference that uh, I've done some research on the history of catechisms and Lutheran catechisms in particular. And one of the things that I've observed is that many of these catechisms that you find in old libraries are indeed dog-eared mm. They're all <laughs> because they were well used. Mm -hmm. They were used by, by young people from generation to generation in some cases, and it's very nice to see a book that is well used, even mm. if it's a, a dog-eared catechism. So. But of course, the, the title suggests that the, the, one of the challenges is that many of our catechisms have become dusty, I right. suppose. Yeah. Um, in other words, not used correct. enough. Yes. Sitting on the shelf and, right. yeah. And so we'll, we'll go back a few steps in a moment, but fundamentally, um, what's the problem with a catechism being dusty? What, what is its um, fundamentally important role for Christian people? Well, I think catechisms get dusty on people's shelves, I think, because they think that they're books that they maybe read once when they were young people, perhaps in preparation for confirmation. And once they go through that, that uh, practice of confirmation, they go through learning and they're confirmed, they uh, set the catechism aside and they don't pick it up again. And that's not really what a catechism is for. It's really something that's, yes, it is to be used for, for, uh, for education. It's, there's nothing wrong with mm. thinking about it as a textbook for, for learning in confirmation class or even in school. But the catechism is, is really intended to be kind of a guidebook for the Christian life, not simply for children, but for young people, for teenagers, for adults, for moms, for dads, for people in all different kinds of, of vocations and, and 
even for pastors and teachers to use for further devotions, whether it be private devotion or devotions in the home. It's really a very useful book that uh, not only does it offer basic Christian instruction, but it shows how to live the Christian life every day. And it, it's kind of a surprising thing when people, when you think about it that way, it really can be that for people. Yeah, absolutely. And so perhaps let's take a few steps back then, um, depending on you know, who's actually uh, watching or listening to this, um, uh, they may not even know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so what is a catechism? Before we even get to Luther's catechism, what is a catechism? Well, when we think of catechism, we usually think of a book. Mm -hmm. uh, and the books might be longer, they might be shorter, but it's, it's usually a book that contains the basic teachings of the Christian faith. It explains to us who God is, what God does and what he has done, uh, who human beings are before God, what our role is in our, our life with God and in our lives with, our, with one another. That, that's usually what we mean when we think of a catechism as a book. But we can also understand catechism as the, as the content of that book, the, the material of it, what the teaching message of, of that book really is. So catechism can be that too. So we can use catechism as a kind of a generic term for Christian teaching in a simple form. And one of the things that I really appreciated at the conference is that um, you, you set the context for Luther's catechism by giving some of the historical movements that led up to that and how um, catechetical instructions and catechisms have been part of the church's life almost from, from the beginning. Um, and so perhaps you can just tell us a little bit about that in, in brief, maybe particularly how Luther was um, in continuity with that, um, with that trajectory in the church of catechism, but also how he did some things differently. Mm -hmm. Well, we find in the, in the very early period of the, of the church's history a, a simple form of teaching people the Christian faith. And, of course, it was always done orally. People would tell one another these basic things about the Christian faith. <clears throat> and, and when they were, were teaching people one another, or teaching one another about the faith, they often would use certain things to communicate that faith. So, for example, the Apostles' Creed became an easy, early way of communicating to other people who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, another part that was frequently included in, in early catechetical instruction was the Lord's Prayer, which, of course, we find in the Gospels. But it was, it was put in, in catechetical instruction to teach people how to pray and for what to pray uh, and to encourage them to a life of prayer. So we see the creed, the Lord's Prayer in early catechisms. We also see what we call the baptismal formula, which were basic questions and answers in, in preparation for baptism. So a person would be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. This baptismal formula would help them understand who God the Father is, who God the Son is, and who God the Holy Spirit is. And there would be some little questions and answers. That was what the early catechetical instruction usually entailed. As we go uh, later on in the church, we see that other things were added. For example, uh, Augustine, who was working in the 4th and 5th centuries, he encouraged the inclusion of the Ten Commandments in this catechetical instruction so that people could understand God's law and understand what, how, God people, how God wanted people to live their lives before him, what, what were sins according to God's will, and how to live a life that would be free from sin, which showed them the right path to follow in their lives. So you see those certain elements that begin to emerge in catechetical teaching, and they're consistently used 
uh, throughout the ages. Now, of course, it wasn't always a book. The catechism didn't always come in book form. We, we find catechisms as we might know them today in the Middle Ages, where they were actually printed, perhaps written out by hand as manuscripts, and then later on printed. But a lot of the catechetical instruction that was done in the early church, and even in the medieval period, was not done in the form of a book, but it was done in the form of preaching. And so pastors or catechetical teachers would actually preach uh, on, on a biblical text, so you say from the Gospels or the Psalms, and they would bring a, a ta catechetical teaching out of that text. So, for example, uh, uh, Augustine, uh, who was teaching in the early 5th century, used John chapter 1 from the Gospel of John, where John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he uses the first four chapters of the book of John, the first four verses of John chapter 1, excuse me. He uses that to teach people about who Jesus is, that Jesus is both God and a human being mm. and how that can be. And Augustine does this in a form of, uh, we would probably re regard it as a sermon today, but it was a, a little homily, a little short sermon that is really a teaching sermon. That kind of, of way of, of teaching people was very common in the early church. And you can kind of understand at that time how, how that would happen. In the early church, people would, uh, they would be uh, taught the catechism, the basic teachings of the Christian faith, before they were baptized. That was the practice that they had at the time. So they would go through uh, stages of training, of, of learning, and then they would be baptized. Often uh, that training would be done in the spring of the year or perhaps for a whole year and coming up to spring, and then they would be baptized on, on Easter Eve, the night before Easter. Uh, and uh, that, that common, was a common practice for, for many centuries. But by the fourth century, we start to see uh, infant baptism really becoming the norm. So children were baptized as infants. They didn't go through confirmation or catechetical instruction at all. They were, they were babies. But then they would be taught the teachings of the Christian faith after they had been baptized, mm -hmm. when they were children or when they were young adults. But the catechetical teaching really didn't change very much. It was just a matter of when it was done. But say, for example, in Augustine's day, he did teach catechism before baptism. But he would also encourage people to continue to go to catechetical teaching even after baptism. And that was one of the reasons why he had these sermons that he would preach hmm. for anyone. And we, we see another example of this with Ambrose, who was the bishop of Milan in northern Italy. He had whole services that were dedicated to, uh, to teaching the Christian faith to people who may be interested in learning more about it. Uh, they were people that maybe weren't Christians but had heard something about, about Jesus or about the Christian faith and the Christian church and they wanted to learn more. And so they would come to these mm. services and they would hear Ambrose preach on the basic teachings of the Christian faith. So mm. sermons and preaching were a very important way that catechetical teaching was done for, mm. for many centuries. Mm. And um, just thinking about this, the prevalence of this sort of catechetical instruction in the early church and that there, there has always been this sort of, these core parts that, that people have gone back to, it brings to mind one of the objections that people often have when we talk about the catechism, which is that, well, we've got the Bible, why do we need anything yeah. else? And so I'm wondering how you would respond to that. Um, what, um, is it the catechism versus the Bible? Is it, uh, how do they work together? Um, what it, how do they interrelate? Uh, that's a good question. And 
and they, they go together. But the, the catechism really is, as Martin Luther said, it's the summary of the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. So it's a very short, little condensed versionary. It's, it's all the good bits. It's all the good parts. It's what every Christian needs to know, is what Luther said. Uh, and so in a sense, it, it's kind of a, a summary or a compendium of the entire scripture. Of course, mm -hmm. the scriptures are, are marvelous, and there's all kinds of wonderful things there, wonderful stories which the catechism doesn't contain. But the catechism kind of boils down in a very short form, those basic teachings of the Christian faith. One of the things that you see the early church fathers doing, people like Ambrose and Augustine, but you see Luther doing this as well later on in the 16th century, is they're, they're continually connecting the, the catechetical teaching back to the, the, what the Bible says. Mm. Uh, so they would often use Bible stories, for example, as illustrations of the catechetical teaching. In fact, when, when Martin Luther published his a uh, small catechism in 1529. He actually, he did this in the large catechism too in the same year. He included illustrations in his catechism. And they were illustrations, for example, each of the commandments would have a, a picture that would go along with it and it would be a Bible story. And it, it would be a Bible verse there so someone could go read more about that Bible story if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Kind of to say, Luther would say, I'm not, this, we're not making this up. This is actually biblical teaching and here's a story from the Bible that tells this, tells this same teaching. Hmm. Yeah. And so when we're talking about Luther's catechism, we're talking about the scriptures in another way, a summary, right. uh, getting to the heart of things. Yes. Um, and so we, we see this, this uh, in the history of the church, and then we come to Luther's time. Um, Luther's catechism is, it was the particular focus of, of this conference. Um, so why did Luther write his catechism? Why the need for another catechism? Was there, were there particular things in his day that occasioned his own catechism? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, in fact, Luther was not the first one to write a catechism in his day. There were other catechisms by, written by some of his colleagues and contemporaries, and some of them were quite good. I must and confess, this was used. something that I, I really didn't know before yeah. this conference. Yeah, there were, interesting. Yeah. there were at least 39 of them, and, yeah. and many of them were used for a very long time in, in Germany, and, and even in the United States, some of them came over. But, uh, but Luther himself uh, decided to, to write a catechism, in particular for his area of Germany, in, in, in direct response to a problem that he encountered. Uh, the, the, the local duke of Saxony had conducted a, a survey, kind of an investigation of the churches in his territory to see, this was in 1527, 1528, and the purpose of that investigation was to find out just what was going on in the churches, what was being preached, what did the pastors know, what did the, the lay people know, what did the children know so about the Reformation the faith? was sort of happening by this time, right. what is it actually looking like on the ground? Right. Is, it, mm. is any of this getting through Taking to people, mm. and what are the conditions of, of the churches? And Luther himself participated in these investigations or visita visitations, they mm. called them. And uh, as Luther says in the preface to the small catechism, he was shocked at what he found, that so many people didn't know the, the basic teachings of the Christian faith. Uh, people didn't know the creed. They couldn't say the Lord's Prayer. Uh, they, they didn't know anything about baptism or the Lord's Supper. Even though they had been baptized, they didn't know anything about it. And, uh, and even, even the pastors themselves were often ignorant and could not defend even the basic teachings of the Christian faith. So Luther believed that something had to be done to address this problem. And so he, he set out himself to, initially, he set out to be more deliberate 
in the congregation in Wittenberg where he was working, he set out to be more deliberate in preaching the catechism. And in fact, he preached a whole series of the catechism on the catechism three times in 1528. I think he preached 32 sermons on the catechism that year. But that was for his local congregation and it would work for his people. But he realized that, he need, that they needed something beyond that for other uh, congregations, other people in different places. And so he started to write his uh, large catechism and small catechism, which were published in 1529. So the, the purpose of that was to kind of take to a larger audience the simple teaching of the Christian faith for use by pastors, but also for parents and even school teachers and bring this teaching to them in a way that was simple, that they could easily remember, uh, and, uh, and teach, teach young people especially the basics of the Christian faith. And this is really, to my mind, part of the genius of Luther is that uh, you, know, you see him responding to these very practical, earthy problems. He writes these you know, volumes and volumes, 50-something volumes of his works in the English edition and many more in German, and, and yet when he needs to, he can, he can write this incredibly succinct, mm -hmm. very practical catechism um, that is really only a few, few pages long mm -hmm. in our English editions. It's really remarkable. And, and, and so if I can use that as a little segue then into the catechism itself, what, what actually is in it, if I, perhaps for people who, mm -hmm. who aren't familiar with Luther's catechism? What, what's in Luther's catechism? Well, most catechisms today, if you open them, open them up and look at them, you'll see that the catechism has six chief parts. And uh, Luther was intent on keeping it short, keeping it brief. The first part is the Ten Commandments. Second part is the Creed. Third part is the Lord's Prayer. Fourth part is a little description of baptism. And then often we have a, a little uh, piece in there about, um, about confession of sins, which is connected in there as well. And then a, a part on the Lord's Supper. There were additional parts to the catechism that were added later on beyond the six chief parts. And sometimes we have an order of um, uh, something on the office of keys and confession, which is added on. Uh, but there are also a series of prayers that are appended to the catechism. Uh, Luther's morning prayer and his evening prayer, which are, are very well known in, uh, in the Lutheran church today. Although it's interesting, those prayers, uh, that as we know them today, um, are, Luther kind of made them his own a little bit, but those prayers actually date to a much, much earlier period. Luther borrowed them mm -hmm. and then made, him his, made them his own. But there are prayers for, for mealtimes, uh, a whole table of duties for, for different vocations. In other words, people have different stations in life. If you're, a, if you're a parent, if you're a mother, if you're a father, if you're a child, there are Bible passages that correspond with those different callings in life. And... Uh, um, other Bible passages for different, um, uh, for different vocations that, that kind of round out uh, and help you understand your place uh, in, in the Christian life. Mm. So it's a, it's a very simple book, but yet it seems to apply to everyone. Mm. Just about everybody can relate to it in some way in some simple way. So it's the basic teaching all kind of lined up there. And you'll get in there, say, with the Ten Commandments and, and the Lord's Prayer, for example, you'll get the actual text from the Scriptures, and then right. you'll have little explanations by, by Luther, right? That's right. Mm. So you have the Ten Commandments listed, and then, and then uh, the First Commandment, for example, and then Luther's simple explanation, what does this mean? And he goes through each of the parts of the Catechism, or the Ten Commandments that way, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, is all all explained. Mm. And sometimes those explanations are, uh, are what people 
people remember memorable. those too. You remember yeah. the, the creed, but, you're, but, the, the, but the explanations themselves are really wonderful. Mm. Luther mm. spent, he took great care in, in that small catechism uh, and was very careful in his wording and it made it very simple and very clear. You could, it's, it is clear that he worked very hard on, on this, which is, I think, a testament to his concern for Christian education and for, for the teaching of people and the teaching of children in particular. The, the phrasing, it comes out even in English, but in, in German it's this beautiful, simple language that's used there that anyone can, can learn and memorize. And uh, that's really his goal, is to make this something that people can, can understand and, and retain and keep with them and make their own. Mm. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think you see even Martin Luther encouraging people to, to memorize the catechism, to learn it and make it their own so that it sticks with them mm. and, and uh, becomes part of them as they go through their daily lives. It's something to kind of hang on to. Yeah. as you go through life. And this is exactly my experience. And I'm very, um, although I wasn't overly appreciative as a younger person, I did memorize mm -hmm. much of the catechism mm -hmm. and, and I'll, I'll be forever grateful. Um, and but the interesting part of the journey for me is that when I became a pastor, I think I, I naturally just, for whatever reason, gravitated towards looking for flashier programs or other resources. Um, and I haven't been a pastor that long, but over the course of, of eight or nine years now, I just find myself again and again going back to the catechism. As you say, there's something about it that resonates across the board. There's, there's, there's so many profound little gems in there. Um, and so whatever, and, and you can use it in just about any situation. Mm -hmm. You find yourself partially pastoral care, um, new people who aren't Christians yet learning the faith, Christians who want to refresh a confirmation. Mm -hmm. It's just so applicable. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess one of the things that leads me to to be curious about is the catechism for, for yourself personally. Was it something that you grew up with? Was it important in your own family life um, and, um, and, and to this day? Yes. Well, it was. It, it was something that I, I probably started learning it um, in, in Sunday school. I would go to Sunday school and we would have memory work and I would learn the small catechism that way. So as, long back, as far back as I can remember in school, I was, I was doing that. But it was something that, that we, we had in school, in the Lutheran school that I went to, and also in confirmation uh, instruction, I, I had it as well. But I have to admit that I, I didn't really appreciate it until I was older. I had memorized the whole thing many times and, and, and knew it. But I don't think I really appreciated it until I was an adult and, and studying for, for the ministry. But I, I found it an eminently practical book. Mm. And there are the phrases in there, there are, I mean, I'll give you an example. And this is something that, that, that is in my mind just about every day. If I am ever tempted, if I'm ever tempted to criticize another person and to say something negative about someone, I, the, Luther's phrasing comes into my mind from his explanation to the Eighth Commandment and put the best construction on everything. Yeah. That is... That is the Christian response. The, the Christian way is to put the best construction on everything. In other words, don't criticize another person negatively, but say something good about them and, and, and follow, the, follow what would Christ do? What would Christ say? And that it, it kind of is this little curb. It, it stops me from saying something negative, but it also causes, causes me to reflect on my own self and my own my own sin and my own temptation to sin and it, it checks me 
And I cannot tell you how many times that, that phrase has come into my mind and I stop and I straighten up and I, I think I'm not going to, that's not, that's not going that's not wrong. For, for a variety of reasons, that's wrong. Not only is it against God's law to, to speak a bad word against someone else, but uh, uh, I, I, am, I am to love my neighbor and not... So it, it works in so many marvelous yeah. ways. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing that sticks with you. Yeah, Once you learn is. that, it, 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 it has an impact on how you live your life every day. Mm. You know? mm. Mm. I'm curious, too, from the conference, um, whether there were any particular parts of other people's presentations that, that you particularly benefited from or, or just enjoyed listening to other people's perspectives. Yeah, yes, there, there were uh, a couple of them. Um, uh, Matthew Kerr, Reverend Kerr, gave a, a very nice presentation on how he has done catechetical instruction in his congregation, and that was very engaging, and um, and talked about the the very uh, very practical way in which he he teaches uh, people that he knows. Joanna Hensley also gave a, a very fine presentation on uh, her own understanding of, of catechism and living a life in the catechism, but also how they use the catechism in, in their family. Mm. And uh, Invited us into her home. She, she invited yeah. us into our <laughs> yeah. home, and she did, and it was, yeah. it was, it was wonderful to see. I think what I, what I really appreciate about Michael, uh, Michael Lockwood did the same thing, mm. in talking about the commandments in particular. Uh, that was very helpful. I, I think one of the things that I really appreci appreciated about all three of those was to see how they each have made the catechism their own. Hmm. Uh, Matthew Kerr uses the catechism in his congregation to help people who don't know anything about the Christian faith to learn about it. And he does it in a very engaging and... and Quite a unique way. He's got yeah. a very unique way of doing it. It's totally unique to him and his wonderful personality. Uh, and Joanna does this as a mother in her, her own family with Adam and, her, and their children. Uh, and that's unique to them. Hmm. And Michael does it in his family with his boys, his children. And that's unique to him. But I think the marvelous thing about that is, is there's no one set way of, of doing this. Everybody has to do it the same way. But, but you take the catechism and you, you kind of make it your own. You use it in a way that's, that's appropriate for your circumstances or for your position in life. Um, and, and I want to emphasize, too, that you can use this for your own personal devotions. It can be a private devotion. It doesn't have to be in the context of a lot of other people. Mm. It can be done privately. And uh, I think that's, that to me is important to emphasize, that, that people shouldn't think that, it's, that there's one right way to do this. But, um, but Flexibility. Yeah, yeah. And, but you kind of make it your own mm. and, and, uh, and, and live the thing out. That's right. Yeah, yeah no, that's been very much my experience as well. And, and it seems to have the most success, let's say, when, it's, um, when, when people can use it that mm -hmm. way. Um, and... Um, for some of the older generations in our church, perhaps that wasn't always their experience, their experience mm -hmm. of this book, hence why it's sometimes a bit dusty. And yeah. yet it's funny, when I talk to older folk about, they, they, they sometimes lament about the rigours of their catechetical instruction mm -hmm. and the fear of their examinations. And then I say, um, so uh, um, would you, if you had your time again, and I say, oh, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. There, there was something about it that has stuck with them that's very, very important to them to this very day. Mm -hmm. um, and so perhaps as we begin to draw to a close, um, Dr. Bodhi, um, if there is someone whose catechism is still a bit dusty, would you have any final words of encouragement mm -hmm. for them, where to start again, how to, how to start using again, 
or if, if someone has never come across Luther's catechism before, um, how and where should they start? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good question. I, I think you can start anywhere. Take it off the shelf, dust it off. But I, I think one place to start is with the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Start in the middle. Start with the Lord's Prayer and, and, uh, and pray the prayer and then go through Luther's explanations and, uh, and, and see how, he, what, what, how that changes how we view God. Mm. And I think what you begin to see there is if, if you haven't used the catechism in a, in a while, starting with the Lord's Prayer invites you in a beautiful way, with Luther's explanation, invites you in this beautiful way of, of starting a life of prayer again. And it helps you understand for what we should pray and for what we can pray. And I think that it's useful to, to think of the catechism as part of a life of prayer yeah. and a life of devotion. And I would invite people to think about it that way and make it a regular habit of, of using it every day as part of your personal devotion. You don't have to do very much. It can be very, very simple. Mm. Just use one part, read that part, think about it a little bit, say a prayer, and maybe the next day pick it up and, and move on to the next part. But starting with prayer, and it kind of invites you into the whole thing. And then you can start from it with a different part, perhaps with the Ten Commandments, and then kind of go forward with that. And, and keep it in a, in a context of, of, of devotion and prayer with God, kind of a, a worship, whether it be yeah. private or with your family. Uh, I think that's a, a good way to start, but there's no, there's no hard and fast rule about that. No, that's good, good advice, mm. I think. Um, this is a little bit off topic, but just because we, we have you here as a guest to our, our country and our church, just curious whether you have any particular impressions of um, Australian culture um, so far in your time here. Or... Well, I, I have to say I've been very, very impressed. Uh, uh, just everything here is, is wonderful. Uh, even though it's winter, I'm having, <laughs> this is fantastic. Australian winter. It, yes, yeah. it's, it's great. I, um, the people have been amazingly friendly to us, to my wife, as Rachel is with me here too. Uh, amazingly friendly and, and welcome, and uh, I wasn't surprised by that really. Mm. But I, I've been very, very impressed. Never please, <laughs> well, no, but so far it's been wonderful. Yeah. I, I think with regard to um, the culture, I think in so many ways it's similar to to our culture in the United States. I think we're facing some of the similar challenges. Mm. Um, we have some of the similar things that we can we can. Uh, uh, some of the benefits. Uh, there's so many wonderful things going on here in Australia. One of the one of the things I've noticed, um, just by walking around the streets of Adelaide, I've I've noticed and I've been struck by by the diversity of the population here. There are so many people that that uh, are probably not native Australians. Mm -hmm. They seem to be from, there seems to be a large Asian population mm -hmm. here, from Malaysia, mm -hmm. India, um, the Philippines. That's right. And uh, we have in certain places in the United States that's that's really becoming uh, true as well. But I think one thing that that strikes me is that the the world is coming to Australia, mm. and and it's going to have an impact here. But I think that the um, that the church I think the church should should view this as an opportunity yeah. to to reach out to people. They're they're coming to Australia because it's a wonderful country and it's it's prosperous and healthy and strong and has much to offer. They're coming, but. Uh, but we have a lot to offer them too mm. that they may not know that they need. Mm. And um, many of them may be Christians already, mm. but, but if they're not, 
then uh, I think the church has something to offer them. Yeah, that's a good encouragement for us. And, and I think um, increasingly as you move around um, the Lutheran Church in Australia, but other churches as well, you certainly find um, that being reflected in the, mm -hmm. in the pews. You, um, I think a lot of those racks of pigeonholes are gradually, there's not quite as many Schmitz and, <laughs> and um, yeah. Pfeiffer's and all, all of these old German names, but all mm -hmm. sorts of other names, which is a wonderful, wonderful mm -hmm. thing. So, um, Dr. Bodhi, thank you again for your time today and thanks for being here in Australia and speaking at the uh, Speak Lord conference run by our friends over at um, Creative Word Fellowship. God bless you for the rest of your time here and uh, your ministry back in the United States. God bless you too, Josh. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank mm -hmm. you.